0: Welcome to the TrailerCast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place And this is my attempt at doing that, sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. On this episode, we're going to be talking about truth. And not big T, universal truth, but little t truth. I was talking with my son, Isaac, the other day, and he is known for his inquisitive nature. He asks questions that usually leave me pretty stumped. And this is what he asked me last week. Mom, what's truth? And using age-old parenting wisdom, I came back with this. Well, Isaac, what do you think truth is? Mm. So it got me thinking. What is true? truth? How do we know it? How do we come to know it? Is it something that we experience? Is it something that someone has told us and we accept? Um, what about when we come up against something we've always believed to be true and now we can't really hold that as being true due to the to new experiences we're having about that? A truth. And that's why we're really talking about little t truth because I do believe that there is a universal sense of of good, true, right, but I'm talking more about like the truths of our lives and um, what we believe about ourselves, identity, and what's true about us and how we come to know that. And ironically, as it kind of always happens, the same theme started emerging in therapy that week. And I was talking on the phone with one of my longtime clients, and this idea of truth began to surface here as well. And she was asking herself some pretty big questions. Let me back up. So when people come into therapy, they usually work from the position of what I've experienced is true. I mean, obviously. And when they're wanting to tell me things, sometimes they leave things out. And not in a way that, like, oh, I don't want at least to know that or I want to keep this part of my story a secret, but in a way that you, like, don't explain that a fish lives in water. It's like it, it, it goes without saying. And I think that there's a lot of things we take from our, our early childhood experiences that we kind of assume go without saying, even though they really do need to be said or shared because I can't assume what your experience was like unless you've told me about it. And so people have a lot of these these ideas or these core truths or experiences that they operate from and don't always realize themselves. Okay, so here's what was going on. Um, We're considering this specific experience that this woman had had, and she was kind of asking a question that I I realized she was asking a question about her core belief. She wanted to know uh, what she had deserved for this really devastating experience to happen and my ears started buzzing and I started thinking, you know what? This is her core belief. Like this is the thing that keeps her stuck. If she believes that she has deserved these experiences, then the person who injured her doesn't have to bear any fault and then she can protect herself because she can realize what she did to deserve it and then not do that thing and then never be hurt again, right? So that's a cognitive distortion. That's how we understand that in order for self-preservation, she created this other idea that um, she had done something to deserve this. That's the only way her worldview could continue to make sense. And so what happened for me is I thought, oh, no, uh, I've missed this. I've missed this core belief, like this pretty deep thread in our conversations together. And so I had to pause and really reconceptualize her case to think, where have I maybe validated this premise? Because I didn't realize that this was a part of the overall piece. So for all of you like art history nerds, you have to remember or think about, um, the role of negative, negative space in a piece of art. The negative space, while there is nothing in it, it still holds place or position within the work itself, and it helps to structure the, the final like experience of the art. So the negative space in art, I think about that often of what people don't say. What are they not telling me? And so I have to listen to that, too. Right? All the big pieces that they do share that I can see that make up the landscape or the main concepts of their work, but then also the negative space and the things that I have to kind of try and uh, sparse out or get a hold of myself. And so a lot of these things for me end up being um, false beliefs about self, um, distortions or thinking about others, um, or worldview issues, right? So as a therapist, you just really can't assume that everything you hear is true, right? And I also can't assume that everything that the person I'm working with thinks about themselves is true, even though their experience of it is real. So here are some examples. A false belief about self. I am worthless. I deserve bad things. I'm defective. Okay, distorted thinking about others is this pervasive sense of being in trouble. Every time the phone rings, are you worried that you're going to be busted? Um... Broad, wide-sweeping beliefs about being superior to others, that um, others don't understand your plight, uh, feeling like no one understands what you've been through, that your pain is somehow unique on this earth, and that you are the only one to suffer this type of injustice. Or distorted beliefs about the way the world works. For instance, uh, bad things always happen to me, or because things are going so well right now, that must mean something bad is about to happen, or everyone I love dies. So, if someone comes in unquestioningly accepting these statements as true and maybe won't even state them, but they operate from the belief in them, I need to hear what isn't being said, okay? Because they will, otherwise, they're going to end up in this like repetitious cycle or self fulfilling prophecy. And then it's really hard to like unsteep somebody from that belief, right? Because they've got this evidence to prove it. So, the other night when I was talking to one of my people, this very thing came up this distortion that she was somehow to blame for the abuse that she had suffered. And so I searched our. Experience together and realize that I need to help, like, uproot this this distortion. And that's called a therapeutic challenge, and I'm going to come back to that. But we cannot work from false assumptions, and I cannot accept that everything that you're going to say to me is true right off the bat because it might there might be a faulty thought in there. So it's kind of like fruit of the poisonous tree. Everything that comes from this false evidence, it's inadmissible. We can't use it. There's a difference between what's true and what happened. Okay, so I had this epiphany about two years ago. I blogged about it on my therapy website. If you want to read it in full, it's at elisesnipestherapy.com, and it's the entry from November twelfth, two 2015. I will tell you it's a little bit heavy and kind of looking back on some old things, but um, for now, let's look at kind of the Cliff Notes version, Okay. So this is a little bit hard for me to talk about, and I feel like I'm still trying to find my way about telling parts of my story without dishonoring the other people that were involved. Uh, And I think that, like any of us, um, when we look back into our childhoods, we often look back with our child eyes. And that's kind of the work of therapy, I think, is learning to take our adult selves back, connect to that child self, and help that person kind of grow up through those injuries so that we have this cohesive, integrated sense of self that's free from either a misperception or a burden we've been carrying for a long time. And, um, anyway, I, I think when I, when I go to share parts of the things I've been, I've experienced, I want to do so in a way that I still feel like I'm true to myself, but, and true to my story, but also like, I'm not disrespectful for the people that were involved because they've all changed a lot too. So with that being said, um, I want to tell you about something that happened in my childhood because I feel like it's something that's going to really illuminate the story. So for me, this epiphany happened as I was in therapy talking about a moment when I had fallen out of my chair at the dinner table. And I am sure that I was told a hundred times to stop like leaning back in my chair, right? I hear myself, I could hear myself saying that now. And I fell out of my chair and through the glass window that was behind me. And it was terrifying. So the plate glass um, fell in shards all around me, and I was picked up and thrown into my room against the wall. And I remember that particular moment, thinking I was so afraid and so scared. And instead of being comforted or seen if I was okay, I was like injured and isolated. And uh, I mean for obvious reasons, I remembered that experience. And what I took from that was that I am bad. I did something wrong. I deserve this punishment. I should be alone. And I took all these truths, air quotes, from a factual experience, right? Like I'd spent this time in therapy explaining to my therapist why I was so worthless or why I was so wretched or just these really intensely like deeply negative beliefs about myself and in that moment as I'm telling her this I realized like those things were true in that they happened but they weren't true in that they were real about me does that make sense like it's true I felt the objective facts I fell through the window there was glass everywhere and I was thrown against the wall in my room that happened but the truth that I took from it was I'm bad, gross, wretched, deserving of pain and isolation. That's not true. And so I really needed to to start understanding the experiences I've had in my life that I, with child eyes, I kind of took the baby and the bathwater, right? I took it all in. I accepted that that experience was true and then I locked it away in time and place and person. And I didn't come back and say, wait a second, Elise, like, No, you didn't deserve that, and that was super dysfunctional and messed up, and um, I would never respond that way. I would have gone to my child and held and make sure they are okay, and I wouldn't have taken that as an opportunity to hurt somebody or to even correct the behavior, because that's not what it's about in that moment. It's about providing comfort and care. So, like I said, (laughs) I've been in therapy a long time, but that takeaway for me was learning to separate the facts from the truth. So here's the this. I'm gonna go back to this girl I'm working with, and we're I'm deciding we need to move into this deeper truth, right? I need to move her from this idea that she deserved this wrongdoing, and I want to help her see something. Um, I want to help her see something different about ourselves. Okay, that's the therapeutic challenge. You know, the best way to describe that is I used to work at this wine bar in town. And we were learning about the different wine varietals or grape varietals and how wine is made. And the wine that's super popular in California, Cabernet Sauvignon, is a combination of two different grapes, a Cabernet Franc and then a Sauvignon Blanc. And those two wines make this super like velvety, strong Cab Sauvignon that most everybody is drinking. So the way that my manager... Explain this wine to me was this. He said it's like taking an iron fist and putting it in a velvet glove. So the iron fist is that Cabernet Franc, that big, bold, strong grape, and then couching it in this uh, velvet glove, the Sauvignon Blanc that's soft and has these um, other fruit no- notes that make the wine as a whole become more palatable. And so I thought about that when it came to doing a therapeutic challenge, because honestly, sometimes you got to pack a punch. You have to tell someone, that is not going to serve you or that's straight up incorrect. And so there's a punch, but there's also the softness of a therapeutic relationship, which is, and I see that there is more to you than that story or, and I see that that was horrific, but it is not your whole story or it's not where you stop. And so there's this moment where it's like, yeah, that's going to pack a punch, but it's going to land a soft blow, but we have to it. we have to get to this place. If I didn't challenge you in this way, then I really, it would be, um, it would feel so unethical to me. It would just feel like I, I saw this thing that could help you avoid this pitfall of pain or being stuck in this area of um, just accepting all these things as true and they're not. So for me, there definitely comes this place of, I'm going to be willing to give you that challenge, even if you're not, it's not something you want to hear. I would rather say something that you don't want to hear, knowing that it's going to move you to a place of greater health. And it's always done in love, I promise. (laughs) Because, you know, on the other side, I see something better. I see that if you stop believing those things about yourself, you would be in so much more freedom. So I'm working right now with this incredible young woman, and I asked her permission to tell you the story. She just started working in a dentist office. And for years, she'd had this like rotting tooth in the back of her mouth. And like most of us, um, horrified of dentists and didn't want to do anything to address this like abscessed tooth. So she was in chronic pain about it and fatigued because the pain, you know, when you're in a lot of pain, it kind of takes a lot of energy out of you. Um, and the tooth had almost like disintegrated. So it was rotten and there was, it needed to be taken out. So she's working in her dentist's office and it was a slow day in there. The dentist came up to her, and said, let me take that tooth out. For whatever reason, she trusted him on that day. And she said, okay. And so she sat down in the chair, and he went to work and cleaned out the entire space. I'll spare you the details. And took that tooth out. And she sat there, and was she was telling me the story. She had her hand on her cheek, and she's just like, and that was it. It was gone. I mean, it was, it was done. And later, he came up to her and said, Thank you for trusting me to do that for you. She was blown away, right? He had done this gigantic service for her, had seen that she was in pain, had taken care of this like neglected, abscessed place within her, and then thanked her for trusting him to do that good work. <laughs> Man. That when she was telling me this in in real time, I had a physical reaction to hearing it. like this like inner core part of me that was struck, it was like the story was truer on a whole other level. And the way I would put it would be like this: I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts this week, and a guest on the show described this idea of myth of myth being a story that is so true, it can only be told in metaphor. A story so true, it could only be told in metaphor. And that's really what I mean by therapy magic. And maybe myth is a better word for now. But when someone is sharing a part of themselves and the story itself seems to be a story that is larger than the moment, that it is simultaneously the story of all of us, some like communal awakening or a universal experience of pain or struggle or overcoming, there is this larger sense of knowing, this more macro macro level of understanding. And that's what her story was. Okay, so let's come back down out of that abstract level of thinking. You, me, today, in this trailer, what have you accepted as truth or a truth about you that is instead a factual experience that couldn't possibly contain you? What assumptions do you have about yourself, others, the world that don't serve you? but are keeping you stuck, sad, misunderstood. We need to remove the thing, okay? We need to pull it out. What do you need extracted? What just came up for you? Is it a memory? Is it something someone said to you and you've never been able to forget those words? What do we need to pull out? Let's take care of it. My all-time therapy hero, role model, legend of a human, Irvin Yalom, he reminds therapists about not taking something away from a person unless you have something better to replace it with. And so there's this like pause moment when as a therapist, you have to decide if I pull on that, if I take that out, if I tap on that thread and decide that we're going to, I'm going to pull that away right now, I need to make sure I have something better to replace it with. And so here's your replacement. Separate what happened from the truth of who you are the facts are often devastating yet the truth is unarguable the truth is that you are good there is nothing you can do or can't do to change the truth of your identity because it supersedes you it was true from the beginning and the facts don't change that Okay, shit happens. Those are the facts. Life can be really hard sometimes and awful things happen and that is true. Big T truth. The unchangeable truth is that you are not the facts. You are not what has happened to you or around you or to someone you cared about. You are you. Your identity is shaped by your experiences but your identity is not what you have experienced. You are more than a collection of memories. So live into that truth, that good and beautiful truth. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at TrailerCast.com You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends.